The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. Welcome to the Grace Evangelical Society's podcast and broadcast, Grace in Focus, as we begin a new week. And we're continuing from last week our study in the book of Joel, the Old Testament minor prophet. After the punishment of his people and their subsequent obedience, God will bless his people. It will be a great and complete blessing. And we're going to find out more about it in just a moment. Right now, I want to invite you to our website, faithalone.org. And also, we want to keep front and center the Grace Evangelical Society 2023 National Conference coming up in May, May the 22nd through the 25th. And here is something that Bob Wilkins said recently about that conference. The teaching that we get at the annual conference for Grace Evangelical Society is so meaningful to me. I'm always encouraged to hear pastors and theologians and missionaries who are talking about the scriptures and talking about their walk with Christ. I'm always moved when I hear these messages. Thank you, Bob, for those good words about the National Conference, Grace Evangelical Society. Our theme this year is Vital Free Grace Issues. Why don't you go to our website and find out a little bit more about it, get registered, and we'd love to see you there, May the 22nd through the 25th. All of the information is at faithalone.org. All right, now let's get into our discussion for the day from the book of Joel. We are continuing our study of Joel in Joel chapter 2. And verse 12, it starts a section through verse 17. This is another call to repentance. There's actually two of these calls to repentance. This one is geared toward each individual. Later, we're going to see another call to repentance of the whole congregation. So this is what I call an individual call to repentance, verses 12 through 17. And notice what it says there in verse 12 of chapter 2. Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me. That's a key Old Testament expression for repentance. Yeah, Right. Jeremiah uses that to turn. But notice, and I think this is very important. Notice he says, turn to me with all your heart. Now, in the Old Testament, the heart is not just the seat of the emotions like it is in our culture. Right. When we use the word heart, we think emotions. In the Old Testament, it's everything that makes you, you. It includes the intellect, the will, and the emotions. So the whole being. And since that's the case, look at that significance here in this phrase. Turn to me with all of your heart. One thing I learned, and if you study the book of Exodus a little bit, you'll see spiritually, even in Exodus, they weren't. I mean, look at the golden calf episode in in Exodus 32. But when it came time to build the tabernacle, they obeyed to the letter. You build this, you do this that way. Perfect, no problem. So maybe that's human nature, but they had a an area that they said, we don't want to be faithful, but we will be faithful when it comes to following instructions on constructing the tabernacle. What I learned from that is they were essentially obedient to the external things. Right. You can build the tabernacle and not have your heart changed. And here, what does Joel say? Turn to me with all of your heart. Don't just make an external. In other words, okay, I'll quit going to the pagan temple. What's in your heart? This call to repentance is extremely important and substantial because it's asking for more than simply change your behavior. 
Well, it's interesting in verse 13, based upon what you say, where he says, rend your heart and not your garments. Right. That's outward. Easy. Ripping your garments would be an outward external thing. Exactly. Right? It's an outward demonstration. And then he says, yeah, verse 13, return to the Lord your God. Why? Look at those next three lines in verse 13. What does it start with? For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. Now, that word kindness is that famous word chesed, which means loyal love. He remembers that these are his people and he's made a covenant with them. Yes. And if they will repent, he will bless them. Exactly. So Joel is very clear as to what needs to happen. They need to turn to him and him only and not just with external behavior, but what's in that heart of yours. That's important. Verse 14 goes on and says the same thing. Notice, who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him? You know, that's kind of a that poetic... That sounds like Jonah 3. Yeah, yes, and it, Jonah is also in the slow to anger and great in kindness and merciful. Jonah says, I knew you were going to let that's them off. That's why he didn't go there in the first place. <laughs> right, yeah. You're too gracious. Yes. If Jonah doesn't like the people, they don't need grace. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, it's just interesting how Joel does this. Verse 14, like I say, who knows if he will turn and relent from the judgment upon his people Leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for Yahweh, your God. In other words, he will provide enough to where they can live, plus they can do the grain offering and drink offerings. They will be able to fulfill the covenant law there. Then it goes into, notice in verse 15, this is where it changes from a call to individual repentance to the call to public repentance, verses 15 to 17. Blow the trumpet in Zion. And that's, once again, the shofar. Blow the shofar in Zion. In other words, set off the alarm. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Get everybody together. Verse 16. Look at all the things they need to do. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and nursing babies. Bridegrooms have to be there. The brides. You know what it's saying there? Gather everybody together for repentance And I don't care what your present circumstances are. Get there. Do it. Stop what you're doing and assemble before the Lord. And I think Joel is being that blatant. Everybody's got to do this. Do you think your wedding is more important? No, not so much. Go and you assemble before the Lord and turn to him. I think it's interesting in verse 1, there was a blowing of the trumpet because the army's coming. I'm thinking part of that is blowing the trumpet so people could get within the walled cities, maybe. I'm not sure. Here it's, let's blow the trumpet to gather, but this time it's to repent. Yeah, that's that's an interesting, to put those two together. Right. And then notice verse 17, let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. In other words, set them between the people and the Lord himself as intermediaries. Let them say, spare your people, O Yahweh, and do not give your heritage to reproach that the nation should rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? And that's a good question. God's promised to punish unbelieving people, including his own covenant people. Yeah. So what kind of God is that that punishes his own people? One that is holy and just. That's right. One that's truly God, not one of these idols. And therefore, but see, a pagan culture is going to say, oh, well, that just shows that their God is silly. He's impotent. He can't protect his people. Right. If this army of enemies is going to destroy the people, then their God can't prevent it. And I think that's a fascinating thing for him to say. 
I just think that it's amazing. It's almost like he's saying, Lord, your reputation among the nations is at stake here. Verse 17 is the last one for the public call for repentance. We had a call for each individual to repent earlier in chapter 2. Right. Then we have this public call. Gather everybody together. Get them all together. And let's, as a covenant people, restore our relationship and our faithfulness to the Lord. What's the Lord's response if they do that? Look at verse 18 through 19. Then the Lord will be zealous for whose land? His. His land and, and his people. And then notice verse 19, I think is very cool. The Lord will answer and say to his people, behold, which is an attention getting device. Behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil. In other words, all the stuff that's been destroyed by the locusts. In chapter and one the, and, and, the and the army in chapter two. The invading army in chapter two. I will send you grain and new wine and oil, and you will be satisfied. You won't lack for anything. I will no longer make you a reproach among the nations. In other words, the Lord is promising restoration. And really, that's all the way through verse 27. He's going to restore the people. He's going to bless them. Yeah, and verse 20 continues this. But I want to point out just the incredible language. I will remove you far from the northern army. Now, who's the northern army? Answer, we don't know. Like the, all the armies, like from Babylon and Assyria, they came from the north, but they have to. Right. They cannot go through the Arabian Desert to get to right. Palestine, so they kind of loop up toward the north and do the what's called the Fertile Crescent. Right, come down through Turkey, Lebanon. So they're they're the armies of the north. I will drive them away into a barren and desolate land, probably the Arabian Desert, with its face toward the Eastern Sea. We call that the Dead Sea. Back toward the Western Sea. What do we call that? Mediterranean. Ding, ding. His stench will come up and his foul odor will rise. Why? Dead bodies. Dead carcasses. Because he has done monstrous things. The people that he uses as instruments of judgment against his people, they don't get away with it. He's going to judge them too, and it will not be fun. And at this point, this invading army will no longer be an instrument of judgment. It'll be judged. It will be judged because it's an enemy of the Lord. Right. And then after that, in verses 21 through 24, the Lord calls the people to rejoice. Look at this. Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. In other words, got rid of all the northern army, which, by the way, the nearest one will be the Assyrian army and later will be the Babylonians. Not only does he tell the people to rejoice, don't fear, but rejoice. Look at verse 22. Don't be afraid who? Beasts of the field, which we saw uh, earlier. Yeah. The animals are impacted, and so the beasts here are told to rejoice. The Lord well. provides for animals too. Isn't that cool? Mm -hmm. We see the Lord through his infinite grace showing a restoration to his people and all the environment around it, including animals, pastures, and so on. And then notice verse 23, 24. Be glad, you children of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord. And notice it says, he's given you former rain, and he will cause the rain to come down on you, the former rain and the latter rain. Have you ever heard of the latter rain movement? Yeah. This is where they get that. Which simply means there was a rainy season at the beginning of the year yes. and one at the later and in the year. And both were necessary for, for abundant the crops. crops. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the threshing floors, as a result of that, verse 23, verse 24, Threshing floors shall be full of wheat. That shall overflow with new wine and oil. That's God's blessing. Amen. Well, we're out of time for today, but very much looking forward to tomorrow. When we're picking up Joel chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 25 and keep 
Grace in Focus. Zane Hodges' excellent commentary on Romans, entitled Romans Deliverance from Wrath, is available right now on our website, faithalone.org. Get half price through February 28, 2023, when you use the code word ROMANS. That's faithalone.org. Did you miss an episode of Grace in Focus that you really wanted to hear? Just come to faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. We have all our past episodes right there on the site. In addition, we have all kinds of free resources available for you. It's all designed to help you mature and grow in your understanding of Scripture. So come visit us at faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. On this program, we keep our requests for financial partners to a minimum. But if you are interested in becoming a financial partner with Grace and Focus, you can find out how to do that at faithalone.org. Our team is really great about answering questions, comments, and feedback. If you've got some, we hope to hear from you. Let me give you our email address so you can do just that. It's radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. On the next Grace in Focus episode, we'll look at a famous quote from Joel that is quoted in the second chapter of Acts, Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. Come join us. We will love having you with us. Grace in Focus. This is the Grace Evangelical Society. Until next time, let's keep grace in focus. The proceeding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.